everyone, and welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. I'm Megan Johnson. And I'm Danae Ofsted. This week on the podcast, we talked about our bad dreams. Not just the weird dreams that we have every night when we go to bed, and they do get progressively weirder. We talk about it a lot. But specifically the dreams that we thought were what we wanted, but ended up not really being on track with our overall vision. So to hear more about what that actually means, and to hear us argue a lot about Halloween and Christmas, stick around for the Leveled Up podcast. That's my scary dream story. (laughs) That's my that's my scary dream sound. Scary. That was just scary in general, even without the dream part of it. Uh, This week we're going to talk about bad dreams, since we're we're on our dream big series, and it's almost Halloween. And when you listen to this, it'll be just after Halloween. So we're talking about bad dreams today. If it was up to me, Halloween season would go significantly longer. I think the last two weeks of October where people really focus on it isn't enough, if I'm being honest. I wish that if we could take some attention away from Christmas, put that on Halloween, that would be the appropriate balance. No, I totally disagree. I think we could wipe Halloween off of the calendar, like just skip it. Well, that means you're not doing Halloween right. That 100% means you're not doing Halloween right. I'm not doing Halloween. That's why. That's why. Ugh. Halloween is one of the only holidays that can progressively get more fun as you're an adult if you do it right. I think that goes with any holiday. I don't know. I feel like Christmas, you just have more and more responsibilities and have to spend more and more money. That's true. Halloween, there's no presents that you have to give anybody. I mean, there's there's candy, candy. like for trick-or-treating. Yeah, but that's not really the same thing. Like you could spend, I don't know, how much does candy cost these days? So you could probably spend like... 50 bucks and just like get a ton of candy and just really go wild. And that could be your, your total upfront investment, except for maybe the cost of costuming, unless you have a go-to that you use every single year. I don't know. I feel like decorating. Yeah. Decorating. But I mean, unless you're ridiculous, like you could buy decorations just like one time, like that's one, one big purchase. You get that giant, like 20 foot skeleton that everybody's been posting about. At Home Depot. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. Okay, I'm going to send you a picture later. Basically, Home Depot is selling this giant, like, 20-foot skeleton that stands in your front yard. And it's amazing. Um, I don't have a front yard, but I do have a balcony. And I think that that might be my next big purchase. Just a massive skeleton. Nobody else decorates for Halloween in my complex, by the way. So I'll just uh, add that in and see where it goes. In my neighborhood, there's like a sign up if you're going to be a trick or treat house. Okay. And uh, I just mute all of those conversations. Okay. Is that, tell me more about that. What are you like a Halloween Scrooge? I am 100% a Halloween Scrooge. I'm a Halloween Scrooge, not because I don't think children should get to have fun and run around. And I had a great time trick or treating when I was a kid. Like, good, good. But is it, I'm not. I'm just not in for it. Like, I don't like being afraid. I don't like all of the creepiness. I don't like the sense of doom and gloom and evil that comes with Halloween. Um, I don't, so it's just like, 
there's no point behind it. Like Christmas, even if you look at Christmas as a to- in a totally secular way, mm-hmm. I love the entire season of that Thanksgiving is included in as well of like being thankful and spreading joy and charity and being goodwill to others. And just between Thanksgiving and New Year's is all of this goodwill that's just like seeps into the world and people being neighborly and kind to each other. And it's just such a positive, wonderful thing. And I love the holidays for that reason. And before that, you have to have all this terrible shit that's scary and horrible and mean and dark and awful. Like there's nothing positive about any of these Halloween themes. I just hate it. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing like uplifting and joyful about it for me. I fully disagree. (laughs) Fully disagree. Halloween is like the only holiday that doesn't have to have like a larger, like altruistic purpose. Like you can just have fun and enjoy yourself. Like, you know, for Thanksgiving, especially, and I'm starting to recognize this. So let me hop on my, my little feminist soapbox here for a minute. Mm -hmm, All mm -hmm. I've noticed is that over, over the years, as time goes on, all I'm starting to recognize is how much insane time and energy my mom and the other women in my family have put into making sure that Christmas and Thanksgiving are successful for everybody else. And it doesn't necessarily make that time of year like happier or more joyful. It's just more responsibility, more money. Like this is a pretty extreme opinion here, but like, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm starting to see for the most part. So the idea of having a lot of times like a really traditional Christmas is totally unappealing to me because that's what like the effects that I see it. Like people going to an an insane amount of debt around the holidays or people completely overextending themselves or putting themselves into situations that they don't necessarily want to be in, you know, like I think everybody has different views of holidays and for me, Halloween is something that doesn't really have any sort of like deep, serious meaning. Right. So you can just like enjoy it. There's no sort of like family. I mean, I don't have children, so there's no sort of like family obligation or anything that anybody has to do. You right. just have fun and get spooky. But also like dressing up is incredible. Like, who, <laughs> like that's the one time of year where you can get away with just like being somebody else and having it be totally cool and fun. You know, like you could just get weird as an adult. Also, Quick little tangent, another another Danae story about my childhood. So growing up, I don't know if I've told you this before. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. But so when I grew up, we lived out in um, Sedalia, first of all. So we were not in a city. Like we were out, it was, it was pretty similar to where you live in that the houses are kind of far apart. So if mm-hmm. you're just walking house to house, you're not going to get that far. Like, I mean, you'll get far in distance, but you'll hit like five or six houses in in a mile. Like it's going to take some walking. So the houses had better be worth it. Um, And and I grew up very conservatively. So during the first large part of my childhood, my family did not do anything Halloween related. So we were not allowed to go trick-or-treating. We didn't dress up. We didn't do anything related to Halloween for the first probably 13 years of my life. So they were far enough apart that we didn't even have trick-or-treaters come to the house. So, and if we right. did, we would have just like turned the light off or something. Like, I don't think we would have even opened the door for something like that. So by the time we moved to Highlands Ranch, which was in is a suburb, the suburb of all suburbs, the, the king of the suburbs, uh, by the time we moved to Highlands Ranch, we were old enough that we were like starting to feel a little bit left out. I mean, we always had, we never got to wear, I mean, we had our own costumes and stuff, but not for Halloween. So we never did any of the trick-or-treating or whatever, trunk or treat or, or anything like that. 
Um, and so by the time we moved to Highlands Ranch, we were like, okay, we're missing out on something. Like, it's not fair for us to just like be in the middle of a neighborhood where we have a million kids coming to the door and we don't get to participate. So we finally convinced our parents. And I think it must have been through some sort of PowerPoint presentation. That's usually how we convinced our parents to let us do almost anything was through, <laughs> through logic and uh, PowerPoint. So we started not exactly trick-or-treating because we certainly were not allowed to call it that. Um, we basically struck a bargain with our parents that we could go out house to house in costume if we followed a couple of rules. The first was that they had to be biblical costumes. So we could only wear biblical costumes going out trick-or-treating. So we got very creative as far as like what we considered a biblical costume. So I remember having a full like Cleopatra outfit, but I told my mom that it was like Moses mom or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I remember having like, uh, my siblings had like a full suit of armor and it would be like the armor of God or something like that. Mm -hmm. I even remember the last couple of years, one of us trying to like wear just like a a ghost costume and try and pass off as like the Holy ghost. (laughs) Like we got (laughs) very creative. (laughs) like what we were trying to pass off. So, um, And the other rules were that if we were going to go house to house, we couldn't say trick or treat because that would mean that we were participating actively in Halloween activities, which they did not approve of. So we weren't allowed to say trick or treat. We were allowed to take candy if it was given to us, but we also had to hand out brochures for our church and invite people to services. Otherwise we didn't get to go. So that is. Your parents turned you into little Halloween missionaries. Basically, <laughs> that's pretty much how that works. So it's almost it's like pretty re- brilliant. Yeah, it's like a reverse card. Like people are, are giving you candy and then you're just like, you're like bam, <laughs> conversion, you know? So it was, uh, that was that was what happened for probably three or four years during my like very early teenage years. It's very interesting. Quit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we mellowed out after a while and I kind of grew out of that. But that's part of why as an adult today, Halloween is just like magical for me because I just mm-hmm. didn't really have that much as a kid. Like I just watched Hocus Pocus for the first time the other day. And that that was certainly not a movie I was allowed to watch because it had witches in it. So mm. um, adulthood is is funny how you look at different things um, in way different lights than you did when you experienced them for the first time. I will give you like, I totally respect the part of your story about Halloween just being fun. I think there's a lot of stuff that we just, I know I'm guilty of it. Like I just love the serious. I love the deep and the serious and the intention and all of the back behind the scenes stuff that is like deeply felt. But I, so like, I'm not one for just silliness. Uh, I, I don't know that that's a totally fair statement. Like I'm a silly person. I like to cut up and be silly and uh, have fun, but I'm not deeply drawn to silliness. Like I don't like stupid movies really. I don't like, I don't, it's like, I don't like silly for silly sake generally. But if I throw a badass costume party, you're still going to show up in full costume, right? That's really what I'm trying to get to here. I would support you with my soul. With your soul, but not with an actual costume. No. Wow. I'm learning so much about you today. <laughs> I, I would not. I would I would not do that. But so my point is, like, I, I see the value in the silly. I see the value in the just for no reason. Like, just go have fun. 
for no, yeah. there doesn't need to be a big reason behind it. So I do respect that. I honor that. And I think you should totally, totally a hundred percent do that with your life. You're just gonna, uh, I'll send you a card or something. <laughs> You're just gonna be the one who shows up to my Halloween party dressed as yourself or something. Yeah. When I was like 14 years old, I went to a costume party dressed as my own evil twin. So it was just like me, but like with a mustache, like that was, that was my whole costume. It was pretty That's much great. it. So That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so the sake of this episode actually starting, I mean, really what's a podcast, if not a whole bunch of personal stories and tangents, because that's right. literally why we yep. do this. Well, so. I think what I wanted to talk about today is, uh, the bad dreams. Like we're talking about dreams as a whole and how we are just like super, super encouraging people to dream big. And when we had level up, uh, last week, one of the ladies that was there has a big dream, like a big, big, big dream. And it was so big that the other ladies at the table, it was a small group of us, kind of were all like, <gasps> and you could just feel like the air kind of sucked out of the room for a second because everybody was like, holy shit. But then everybody processed it and everybody turned around and they're like, yeah, girl, go do that. That's amazing. And so I, I love that about Level Up and I love that about the series in general, that we're encouraging these big dreams. I think that's important. Um, but I think because of that, we do have to address the bad dreams. Yeah. And I think for the sake of this conversation, we could probably disclose that we're not necessarily talking about nightmares. Although if you want to talk about weird dreams, that I am 100% down for that. I know that in Level Up the other day, I brought up that I had a dream the night before uh, that we were actually doing Level Up but instead of all of the women I've come to know and love, it was just a whole bunch of teenage boys and <laughs> they didn't get it. They were confused as to why they were there. I was confused as to why they were there. It, it was a whole deal. They didn't get it. They didn't appreciate my discussion at all. So uh, that was a nightmare that I hope to not repeat for everybody in the audience. My key demographic is not teenage boys. So to be clear, so <laughs> when, we're, when we're talking about bad dreams, really when we when we thought of this topic we're really looking at dreams that you thought were where you wanted to go but in reality were leading you down a path that isn't what you wanted to happen right. so that's what this conversation is about so megan what it, what what comes up first for you when we start talking about this um i think about like dreams literal dreams mm-hmm. have a big place in my life And I think about there's a lot of like a really cool connection here between the bad dreams that I have when I'm sleeping. And like, they're so prevalent in my life that I've like learned to wake myself up from them. I don't know what it's called, but like I've learned like to figure out my way out of a dream because at some level of consciousness, I know I'm having a bad dream. But in life, in real life, when you're following down a path that you think may, you at one point you decided this is something you want to pursue, right? It's a dream. It became a dream. And like, it just takes a turn. Things aren't going the way that you want to go. Like it's leading you down the wrong path. How do we in real life wake ourselves up from a bad dream and kind of change that course? And do we even, do we even always recognize it's a bad dream? And how can we, for the sake of getting on the right path, learn early that this is a bad dream? This is not something I need to pursue. 
So those are the things that come up for me really are like, how do we quickly notice this is a bad dream? How do you, how do you fail fast? Right? Oh, this isn't the way I want to go. And um, how do you do that quickly? And what do you do to reverse that direction? How do you get out of it? Yeah. And also I think another part of this has to be, how do you tell whether something is actually a bad dream or it's just like the valley of despair? Right. right? It's just the pro- the, yeah, it's the just painful part of the going, process. Yeah. The process. So um, mm-hmm. I guess what's, I can think of a whole bunch of examples of things that have been bad dreams for me. Mm-hmm. Like, does anything come, come up for you right off the bat as something that you're like, okay, I was on a path. I recognized it was the wrong path and I went to a different path. Like what's the best example for you? The most recent example is me trying to have a product-based business. Okay. All right. I remember that. Yes. So I had this little company for two years with a partner trying to sell planners. And I think that we had an amazing product. I think we had an amazing idea. Um, We were a good team and uh, we had a lot of passion, a lot of energy behind it at first. But what we didn't know really was product-based business. We were both service-based business owners. And it became very clear, not only not only with the that building and selling a product was outside of our zone of genius, um, the partnership wasn't it just was in, wasn't a great fit for it either. So what what happened for that? And those are there are two of the very many reasons um, that we weren't successful, that we failed. But it was like I feel now looking back with the experience that I have, obviously hindsight's in 2020, that second year, the whole year was a bad dream. Yep. I remember that as you were going through it. And I remember just being frustration after frustration after frustration, like, and the reality is that I think that when you're coming back to whether or not something is a good dream or a bad dream, I think some of it has to come back to what you're doing for the long term, because in reality, like there's no reason that you couldn't have, if you wanted to stuck that business out, made it successful and potentially turn into something that you would appreciate at some point. However, like you had to come to a point where you're like, nah, I got to make a call on this because you were looking for the long term and saying, okay, is this something that I want to be involved in, in five years and 10 years and 20 years? And that dream, that big revision of where you wanted to go was a, oh, actually, no, I don't. I don't actually want to be involved in this. Was that kind of the turning point for you was looking out at the further parts of that? Um, I think I wish I could tell you that I was like that great of a, of a thinker at that point. Um, I knew I knew what my big purpose is and my, my purpose is small business success is women owned small business success. That's everything. That's level up. That's my, my business. That's everything. Um, and I think the planners fit into that because I was able to pr- provide a lot of my lessons there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it necessarily didn't fit into that big vision of mine, but um, I think what it became was a distraction and it was a, a massive, massive distraction. While I was still like, all of my businesses I bootstrapped, right? I've never gotten a big influx of cash to, to make it happen. So I was bootstrapping that business, bootstrapping Megan Johnson coaching um, and in college full time. And so it just was really very difficult for me. And I had a leadership role in a BNI. Like I was just, and then we started level up. 
and we started level up. So I, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have so many competing priorities. Where, what am I best at? And what do I love doing? And every time I looked at it, it was this product piece. The fact that I had to deal with inventory, that I had to negotiate rates, the fact that I had to like deal with, at the time we were like Hong Kong got shut down by riots and we were waiting on product to come in. And so we were just like, is this boat even going to leave Hong Kong with with, like all of this product that we just have to sell? It was just, it was a nightmare. I hated every piece of inventory. Um, And and so not only did like my passion kind of get uh, kicked in the teeth because of all of the hardship that comes with inventory um, and production, like the production piece was very difficult as well. Um, it was such a distraction to everything else. And it was always a side thing for me. It was always like, this might be a cool little moneymaker but it became such a distraction that everything else was hard. And I knew like level up was suffering and Megan Johnson coaching was suffering so that I could prop up this business. And it was just a bad dream. Like every time, every time I had to turn my attention over there, I was pissed. Like I, I hated it. Um, And I just, it was a, it felt like being stuck in a bad dream and I just had to kill it. I had to kill it so that everything else could be successful. I feel like whenever you're trying to think of, you know, when you're visualizing what could be a good dream or not, because the, I think of this in a couple of different ways. I think the first aspect that I think of this, and I know that there are a million, but the first aspect I think of is in your career choice. Cause that's a pretty major decision is how you spend your time, where you're going. That, that dictates a lot about your income potential and your, your vision for your future. Right. I think the other half that comes up for me is relationships. Like, how many times have you been in a relationship? And I'm not really talking about you specifically. This is more of a rhetorical question that I'm really asking myself, but where you're in a relationship and you're wrapped up in this other person. And a lot of the time you're just asking yourself constantly over and over and over and over again, can I be happy in this relationship with this person long-term? Can this dream where this is going, is that the dream that I want for myself? Are you talking about romantic relationships? Yeah. Yeah, mostly I am. And that's because I think it affects so much when I think of the ways that I've changed my life, completely changed my life based on the relationship that I was in. It almost makes me cringe sometimes to realize like how like massive changes I was willing to make for the sake of staying in a relationship or building a future with somebody when sometimes that future isn't even really what I wanted. Right. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. you're always trying to sell yourself on the idea of, well, Mm -hmm. this is what I want because I want to be with this person and I don't see all the things that are wrong with them. I see their potential and I see what this could turn out to be. Yeah. So I've done that multiple times where I'm dating somebody who's very obviously not right for me, who doesn't have the same ambitions, who doesn't have the same goal. But in my brain, I'm looking at what they could become. You know, I'm seeing their Mm -hmm. potential. I'm not seeing like, I'm going to use the same quote I always do, which is basically like when you're wearing rose colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. I love that quote. I love that quote. So, so applicable, but in relationships, I mean, I can't remember dating. I've dated too many. uh, I I have a couple specific types. Drummers is one of my types. Drummers? Um, Drummers, but I never know until after I'm already dating them. So drummers, pitchers. Wait, 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 wait. You don't know if they were a drummer until after you were dating them? 
Yeah, that's not like it's not like I have a, like uh, an onboarding questionnaire or something. Okay, like, so it wasn't like you were just like super hanging out in the music scene or no, I wasn't. Um, but okay. three, drummers. three, yeah, three different drummers, uh, mm-hmm. pitchers, specifically baseball pitchers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> tattoos. Tattoos is definitely one for me, uh, as evidenced by Cameron, my current very tattooed man um and a little bit of scrappiness I think is is really the the other one so but some people like Cameron very much fit into my vision because we're both ambitious we're both building a company together like all of the dreams that he has are big enough to fit all of mine within if that makes sense yep like everything that I wanted to do I know that I can accomplish with Cameron and he adds to those dreams. He doesn't take away from them, Mm. but I've been in relationships before where like I got fooled two different times and dated a guy that didn't have a car back to back, man. Like I gotta, (laughs) (laughs) which means I just end up driving people all over the place, but like guys who were really great and caring and, and sweet, but like didn't have a lot of ambition or didn't have big goals or dreams. So then it was my dreams that had to lead the way. And instead I ended up dragging them instead of building something together, Right, right. you know, like yeah. that ends up being a very different conversation. So I feel like when you're talking about not just your career path, but also who it is that you choose to spend a lot of time with, like that dictates a lot, man. Yeah. I think everything that you said, except for like the specifics around who you were dating, but the lessons from it, I think everything that you said applies to any relationship, you know, like does this person's path fit within my path and what my dreams that I, that I dream. And sometimes you fall in love with people. And I mean, sometimes you fall in love with business partners or you fall, you know, yeah. not in a, not in a romantic sense, but well, sometimes um, <laughs> in your <laughs> sense, but I mean, but I'm saying that necessarily in a romantic sense, right? Like everybody knows that Stephanie and I are super close. We're building our businesses together. Um, we have a lot of com- combined clients. We both work in our, each other's businesses in, in certain ways. And so there's a lot of alignment there. Um, and it'd be very, very difficult for me or for Stephanie if somehow along the way, one of us became a bad dream for the other because you just have to unwind unwind all those entanglements, you know. So I think it's a lesson not just for your romantic life, but just a life lesson for anybody you're choosing to be on this on the path with you in your dreams with you. And you can have have all sorts of people that are not necessarily primary characters in your dream, but they're like supporting characters in your dream. And uh, that's great too, but make sure that the people you're choosing aren't like the wicked witch of the West. They're actually (laughs) Glenda, who I call Stephanie Glenda, the good witch all the time. Uh, Cause she's amazing and cheerful and wonderful and makes dreams happen. Right. I like that a lot. Have you seen wicked? I have not. Okay. We're going to go at some point. Yay. Um, so anyway, um, I think that's totally applicable here. So what do you do? What is your way of checking in on, is this a bad dream or is this a good dream? So I think I have to check into a couple of things. And the first one, which I think honestly kind of takes a priority is I have to step back and take a look at 
is somebody in my position, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, do they or can they have the lifestyle and the dream that I'm looking for? So if that's the case, so let's say that I'm in a specific career in real estate, for instance. So part of why I'm not in real estate anymore. And a lot of it was that I was 21 when I got into real estate and I wasn't ready to run a business yet. And I didn't do anything that I was supposed to. I was scared to death of making phone calls. I still am, but I do it anyway. So like I wasn't ready for it then. But one of the other reasons that I'm not in real estate now is because a lot of the times if I look at people who are five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road in that career path, a lot of the times, even if somebody's making the money that I want to, so let's say that they're making a million dollars a year, a lot of times in careers like that, their life doesn't get easier, right. harder, their lifestyle doesn't get better or more relaxed. Instead, they have to work all the time, right? right. And that's, that's something that for me is non-negotiable. Like I don't want a lifestyle long-term where I'm completely indispensable. And if I'm not out finding deals, or, you know, finding more clients, or if I'm not out in the field in myself, that I'm not making money. Right. So that's one of the biggest factors for me is, okay, if I stick with this dream, can I legitimately have all of the things that I want to have? Right. And some careers, and I have to ask people this all the time, you know, because, you know, today I did a financial strategy with somebody who doesn't have, um, with what they're making right now, there's no way in hell they're going to be able to save enough to retire when they want to, how they want to. Right. It's not going to happen. And while though they like their job, we have to have some, sometimes some really tough conversations saying, Hey, does your career path have the juice, right? That it needs to right. make all of these things happen for you. And right. that's not always a fun conversation. Sometimes that's a, what we call a shooting the fluffy buddy conversation. <laughs> like, which is really sad, but like sometimes you have to give people hard news. And that's one of the pieces of hard news that sometimes we have to talk about is you're, you don't have, you don't make enough money to save enough money for where you're going. Right. And sometimes it's, you know, it's lifestyle, it's income, it's environment. You know, is this ever going to be an environment that helps you grow? Right. Are you ever going to have the mentorship that you're looking for? Are you ever going to have the encouragement? Are you ever going to have the freedom? And if you can't answer yes to any or all of those questions, at least the ones that are most important to you, then maybe it's a bad dream. Because for me, I can tell you with, with complete honesty that I have a hard time in what I do sometimes. Megan knows this, like I can be very transparent talking about bad dreams. I wake up with anxiety nightmares a lot of the times because of specific aspects of what I do. And that's because I'm an entrepreneur. Like, you know, we talked about that in class the other night, that if you haven't woken up in a, in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, worried about something about your business, like you're not really an entrepreneur. And like, that's how I know I've made it, you know, Like (laughs) like I've certainly done that before. And I know that you have too. And I know that you know, most other people listening have probably gotten, you know, gone through the same thing. So if that's the case, if you're still experiencing those feelings of this is hard, or this isn't always easy, or this is um, a more painful process that I anticipated, like I still have to ask myself over and over, but what else is there for me? Not that I couldn't go out and do a million different things, but I'm, I ask those questions very seriously to myself, like, and I have over and over again, what is the income power of what I'm doing? Okay. Like a bunch of things. What has the lifestyle afforded as what I'm doing? Okay. Not nearly as many things. What have I already put in three or four years of experience in? 
oh, okay, not that many. Like, you know, right. there are a lot of factors that affect, you know, what I what I would say is a good dream or a bad dream. All I know is that for me, I don't see anything else that gets me what I want in the exact same time frame with the exact same mentorship and the exact same trajectory. Like, I just don't see it. I, I haven't seen anything else that has the power of what I want to get me to what I want specifically, which isn't going to be the same for everybody else across the board. You know, like everybody has to kind of figure that out for themselves. I like what you're saying because I don't think a bad, I don't think a good dream is a bad dream because it isn't hard. No, no, I don't think so, that's the case. So I think th- you can't quit because it's hard. That doesn't make it a bad dream. I mean, you can, but you probably shouldn't. Like most good things are hard. Right. So hard does not equal bad dream. No. Um, so I want to make that very clear distinction and you totally said it very well. Um, I think the other thing that you said is so smart because every time I do strategic planning with anybody, um, like for instance, retreats, right? I just did this massive retreat. It was so fun um, with five women business owners. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions we talk about on the first day is, where are we going to be in 10 years and what does your lifestyle look like? And are you building towards that type of lifestyle? Because you can't, you can't uh, divorce the two ideas from each other. Otherwise you're going to, you're never going to be happy. You have to build towards what life you want to live. And that doesn't mean you're going to have it tomorrow, just like you said, but are we building towards that future? And are you okay with the time that it's likely going to take for you to get to that future? And so that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time unpacking in a very, very like tactical business way. What are you building and does it support a lifestyle that you want to live? Does it support a lifestyle that you're able to live? You know, a lot of my business owners have responsibilities. They've got kids and families. Sometimes they're caring for uh, an elderly parent or they have special needs children or their spouse. They don't want to have their spouse work. And so you have to consider all these factors into your lifestyle on like, are you building towards the right thing? And so a good dream, a good dream leads you towards that end. A bad dream does not. A bad dream leaves you in the trenches forever if if your dream is to be free of it, to be independent of the trenches. So that's, I think, a a really great distinction and super, super important. The other thing I think about is a bad dream is one, and so I, I experienced this with the planners, was I was nowhere near my zone of genius. And I was nowhere near stuff I was like just really great at, something that fired me up and made me want to come to work every day and and really get in it and solve all the problems and put in the time and energy and effort. Um, and so it was a bad dream because I just, I wasn't wired to be great at that. And I didn't have the capacity to place somebody else there. Could Could I have made that bad dream a good dream? Yes, I could have. I absolutely could have. By putting the right people in the right places to do that work. Um, but I didn't have the capacity to do that. And by the time um, I recognized it far too late, it was poisoned. I think a bad dream is also one that detracts from what your biggest and most important dreams are in a way that you don't want to deal with. Yeah. So like, because like there are some things that like, 
I can think of points in my life going forward here. And I, I do think about this a lot because part of my end game of getting into what it is that I do is that eventually I want to do other things. Mm-hmm. I want to go to cooking school. I want to learn a whole bunch of stuff. I want to go to a yoga teacher training. I want to travel. Like there's a lot of stuff that I want to do. And for that to be the case, I have to have pretty intense focus for a while so that eventually I can have a little bit more freedom when it comes to, or a lot more freedom right. when it comes to what I'm doing. So for right now, I have to spend most of, if not all of right, my time and energy focusing on this one big dream, because that's the one that's going to get me to all of the other ones. Yeah. All of those other dreams that I have are good dreams, but not for right now. So for instance, even though I, I'd love to go to cooking school at some point, right. uh, you know, hanging on the, the question of whether or not I'll ever be able to eat dairy or gluten again, because if that's the case, that changes some plans, makes pastry school a lot less fun. But if I was to take time off now, let's say, and I was going to go spend two years and go to cooking school, that would not be a good dream because it detracts from everything else that makes everything else in my life possible. Mm-hmm. So right now, that's not a good idea. But let's say in five to 10 years, which is the timeline that I'm looking at here by the time I'm, so I guess I'm 28. So six, six years, by the time I'm 35, I'd like to take time off to go do something like that. In five or six years, hopefully I'll be at the point if I've done everything right with this stream that I can take time off and wholeheartedly throw myself into something else because that's part of my larger vision as a whole and it doesn't ruin or detract or take away or drain my energy for something that's also really important to me. So timing is really important. And, you know, when we talked about in that um, extreme focus mastermind that we did about Warren Buffett and his pilot, do you remember this Mm -hmm, when he mm -hmm, was like, mm -hmm. he's like, okay, write down the 25 biggest life goals that you have. And then circle the top five priorities, right? So top five on this list. And then all of the other 20 avoid like the plague, right? Because they're they're distractions. They detract from other things that you're doing. So just because something is something that you might enjoy doing or something that might be a good use of your time at some point, if it detracts from the things that are actual priorities for you, so maybe that's taking care of your family or, you know, making sure that you have stable income or saving for retirement, like whatever your specific priorities are, if it detracts from those things or takes your energy away, that is a super solid indication that might not be the right dream for right now. Right. I think so great. But I think you also like need to think about like your whole life arc. What is my whole life arc? Um, and am I, am I building in a way that supports that? And, and I think everybody's individual. For example, there's a lot of people that think you can't uh, be a mom and build a business. Like how, how can I do both things? And I've, I've experienced a a couple of great examples I'll talk about uh, in like that just flies in the face of convention that you, you can absolutely do that. Um, One is a business that is a thriving business with uh, five employees, I think three to five employees and it's a time business. They have to they have to uh, take an order and get it get it delivered in a short period of time. So there's a, a quick pace to it. And uh, this woman came to me and she's like, I don't know. I'm panicked. I don't, I'm about to have my first baby, and I don't know how I cannot work in the business. How do I have a baby and take time off and breastfeed and do all the things that moms need to do? And uh, we just had to we just had to reimagine her business in a way that she didn't have to be critical in it every moment. 
Um, and then you and I have an, another um, friend that is a CPA and she's, she said to us the whole pregnancy, she's like, this is, this train is not slowing down. Like we are yeah. going to keep <laughs> going. And she just built in other things around her life to help her support, to support her in being a mom. And so um, just because there may not be a traditional or understood or even already created path that lets you align two dreams of yours doesn't mean it's a bad dream. It just means you have to create it in a way that makes it a good dream. You have to be aware of that. Yeah, I like that. I like thinking about it like that because look, the first draft of of your dream, it doesn't necessarily have to be the finished product, right? So, um, you know, when I think about the lifestyle that I want to live, I don't know all of the factors right now. Like, I have no idea what that's going to look like. I know what the big parts of it are, but if I'm thinking about like the everyday, for instance, right? Like maybe I do want to have kids at some point. I'm still not sure. We haven't like you know, made a hundred percent decision either way. But the dream that I have in my brain right now involves us just traveling the world and doing whatever we want and having all of this free time. And yeah, kids change things like that. So maybe instead of deserting all that dream altogether, maybe it's just, okay, well, the second draft of my dream, if I decide to have kids or if we decide to open up another business just means that maybe we travel with a child or to slightly different places or that we have an au pair or that, you know, like there's a lot of different things that can change and not every part of your dream has to be static. You can change it. A lot of things can be really fluid based on your current life and your current goals. That's why we don't just meet with people one time in either one of our professions and say, all right, here are your goals. See when you achieve them. (laughs) Right. 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 Good luck. (laughs) That's never how it works. Right. Because things change and grow. I meet with my clients at least annually so that we can make adjustments as, as necessary. So you know, things can change over time. Yep. Brilliant. So good dream, bad dream. Um, what is your funniest bad dream? Oh my God. Funniest bad dream. Let me, let me think about, okay. This is, this is probably my funniest bad dream. We're not talking about actual nightmares. Are we? We're just talking about like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, well, when I was 11 or 12 years old, I thought that I was probably going to make balloon animals for a living, um, (laughs) which wasn't necessarily a bad dream for an 11 or 12 year old, because I could go to a birthday party and make a couple hundred dollars doing balloon animals for children. So not a bad dream for somebody who was 11 or 12 years old. But when I think about what that life would have looked like. I shudder. I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have handled that. Um, I don't think I could handle being around clowns that often. I don't think (laughs) like I mentioned, I like dressing up, but that's not my costume of choice. So to be clear, that's probably a pretty, that's a dream. I I think I've thrown by the wayside at this point and you know, and that I had a long, long time ago. Um, but camera reminds me every once in a while that I did that, um, as does my family. So just, uh, that's one that's, that's, that was thrown out a while ago, but I still know how to bike balloon animals. I, I require a balloon animal at the next time you decide you want to celebrate me. I will take a balloon animal. I also know how to make a balloon arch now. So, oh, right. Yeah. That one is significantly easier. So maybe I can combine the two and really get weird. Okay. Sweet. Well, well, uh, maybe I know this November, it's not looking likely that we'll be able to do a big level up celebration for our two year. 
Um, but maybe at the next big level up celebration, we can have some balloon animal action. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> not committing, not committing. Yeah. That's not a dream. I necessarily want to revisit, but for you, anything. Okay. Uh, my funniest bad dream was in middle school. Uh, everything in middle school is a bad dream, right? Like the whole experience of middle school. Is a bad yeah, dream. mostly. Yes, I would think so. Okay. In middle school, I wanted to be a popular kid. Like I wanted so bad to be in the in crowd popular kid. You are now. Uh, Still, but not one of the it girls. Like I'm never like, it's just not me. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm, I say stuff wrong way too often. I'm dweeby, uh, kind of weird shaped, like all of the things that (laughs) popular girls are not. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so uh I ended up getting I fell on ice ended up hurting my neck was in a neck brace for most of seventh grade uh because of this I was like a pariah everybody's like oh the weird neck brace girl like nobody likes her um and uh so my only friend was a girl that had fallen and broke her leg like her femur, like bad. Oh, oh, uh, femur's <laughs> a bad break. That's not good. Yeah. Was really bad. Break. I wish I could remember her name because she was like the nicest ever. And her and she was like my friend. She was my friend and we were friends together. And instead of being the popular girl, which I really, really wanted to be, I had like my one friend and we were, I had a neck brace on and she was in a wheelchair with a broken leg. Like that <laughs> ended up happening. And so it was a good result, but... I never, and I'm glad I didn't end up being a popular girl, but. Okay. First of all, you are popular, just not by the very specific, like middle school requirements. Right. That right, right, right. At all as an adult. That's really <laughs> funny. Have you ever seen uh Romy and Michelle's high school reunion? Yes. Okay. Thank God, because I've been trying to make references to that for a long time and nobody ever gets it. But like, all I think about is she had like a back brace and people used to like put magnets on it. <laughs> that's what I'm imagining with you and your neck brace I wish I could remember this girl's name she was so nice I don't know but then you go back to your high school reunion and tell everybody you invented post-its which is what right yeah yeah that's what we'll do great conversation excellent start I'm sorry we can't be in the same Halloween camp we certainly can be you just have to change who you are as a person oh are you asking me to change I would never ask you to change you, Danae. I love you far too much. Uh, you could ask me to change and love Christmas more, and I don't think I would. I don't think that's really a fundamental change. Love Christmas more. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be clear, we also didn't get Christmas presents growing up, like, from our parents, like, which is, it's fine. Like, the kids are expensive as hell, so, like... We didn't, we didn't have a Christmas tree. We had a tree, but my dad insisted it was not a Christmas tree. It was just a tree that lived in our house year round. And so, no, we didn't do like Christmas presents or a lot of like really secular Christmas stuff either. That's another thing. No Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, no Frosty the Snowman, no uh, anything Santa Claus related. Uh, they never told us that Santa Claus was real by any means. So uh, Christmas might have also been less fun as a child. So. You had no Christmas magic. Uh, we had the magic of uh, religion 
And I mean, the ultimate magic to be, I got it. Like the the ultimate ultimate magic. magic. Yeah. With like the ultimate present, but not a present that I really cared about as a child. Right. Especially like as a seven-year-old, you're like, yeah, savior, but where's my stocking full of chocolate and lifesavers? Exactly. No stockings. Uh, we did have a pretty cool nativity set. So maybe that's why I don't, <laughs> I don't really have that much fondness for, for Christmas now. So anyway, we'll come to some sort of resolution on this. Maybe it's just that we both enjoy Thanksgiving or something. I don't know. We'll get around to it. Yeah. I think ultimately I'm going to love you no matter what. Oh, thank God. Okay. Great combo. Um, any last thoughts or are we good to go? That's it. Done. Get out. <laughs> get out of our podcast get out go home do something productive towards a good dream hey guys we really appreciate you listening to the podcast and what we really need is for you to like subscribe comment share and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too so until the next episode thanks